0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first episode ever of Dialogue About Dyslexia. My name is George Little, but I actually go by Bo. Um, today, we have a very special guest. It is my father, and he's going to talk about his experience with dyslexia back when he was a younger boy, back in like the 70s and 80s. And um, yeah, here we go. Let's see what he has to say.
1: Well, I mean, as far as I was concerned, I always had problems with school. I mean, I had problems in preschool uh, because I, I guess I couldn't do what I, the other kids were able to do as far as language goes. Um, you know, reading books was a non-starter. I could, I could memorize a book. You know, I could memorize what was said on particular pages, and I could, I could fake them out that way, but I, I couldn't read
0: um are so you saying you memorized the words instead of no I,
1: I i'd memorize when when one page would turn i i remember doing this with mom when one page would turn and she would read it to me mm-hmm. I, if if we went back to the book i could remember you know almost word for word what the words were on the page so she would start moving her finger across the across the uh the page with the mm-hmm. words and i could I could pretty well remember exactly what she said the previous time. So it was almost like I was reading, but I didn't know what, you know, I didn't know what the, what the word said. I just know what she had said previously.
0: Mm-hmm. Wait, what, what age
1: was that? Would you say? Oh, shoot. That was probably, uh, I don't know, six or seven. Yeah. Probably six or seven years old.
0: Yeah. Cause I, I remember that's when mom tried to get me to read with her too. But like, I, I guess I just didn't try to memorize the words. Like I would just be struggling there for
1: well i mean when i say i memorized the words i didn't really memorize the words i remember what 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 she was saying from page to page mm-hmm. you know because i couldn't look at the word and say that is is the word that mm-hmm. i mean i just knew you know what she had said what she had read previously i could remember it and then i could repeat it Oh, so
0: she would read the page before and then you would read it
1: yeah, I mean if, if she read me the book, you know, every night at bedtime or you know, mm-hmm. once every now and then, I could remember what she had read. And I once I got to that page, I remembered what was said, what she read. Mm-hmm. And I could repeat what she had said, but I couldn't read, you know, uh run, run, Billy, run or something like that. But when she got to the page where it said run, billy run, I could say run, Billy Run run. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't actually reading it. Yeah. It was just a memory thing, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then I guess it was. I, I mean, I, I spent I spent most of my time from first to second and third grade in in the principal's office or in in the hall or something like that because I I couldn't read and I couldn't I couldn't do schoolwork and I was always I guess a an issue for the teacher mm-hmm. uh, and then i had i had one teacher at, at uh, west hampton school over off of uh, patterson avenue that knew i mean she knew i wasn't stupid yeah she she knew i was you know a, above average intelligence but i just had a specific language learning problem mm-hmm. and she you know, she tried to help me as much as she could. You know, within the confines of of the mainstream, <clears throat> and uh, I guess ultimately from from there from there. I think the only the only other option in the Richmond public school system at the time, because there were no there were no private schools that catered to specific language learning disabilities. Mm-hmm. was Grace, Grace Aarons, which was up on Oregon Hill. And Grace Aarons basically put me into uh, s- special education because yeah. that's, that's what Grace Aarons was. And that special education was kind of a catch-all back then. I mean, it, it had everything to do with uh, people with uh, pa- you know, cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, mm-hmm. uh, dyslexia. And, and, and any other label, any other non-mainstream label you could put on it. Mm-hmm. So I I rode a school bus with uh, people that had those specific problems. And um, well, I went to Grace Aarons for, I guess it was fourth, fifth. I think it was fourth and fifth grade. And then... They found Kilgonan, which was in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, which was a school for dyslexia. And they sent me to boarding school. Um, I think it was. I think it was sixth, sixth grade. Or seventh. Can't remember which. Anyway, I ended up and I ended up skipping eighth grade. Mm -hmm. I didn't take eighth grade and went straight from seventh grade to ninth grade. Because according to the people at killed and I, I was able to excel enough to actually skip a grade. So when I came back home, I, um, I went straight into high school, mm-hmm. at new community at new community school. And then at New Community School, I was there for four years, and was still dyslexic. But I mean, at least, at least at that point, they were able to to you know cater to my problem as well as other other kids' problems mm-hmm. with with dyslexia. And you know, we had small classes. I think my graduation class was eleven people, so we're Classes there were very small, uh, maybe five or six students per class, mm-hmm. which, which afforded a whole lot of personal attention. You yeah, know, I guess which which you need um, when you have dyslexia, or else your focus just goes somewhere else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I I just remember the classes being like thirteen people when I toured there. Um, yeah, eighth grade. They're very small.
1: Mm-hmm. And they they actually. Increased in size, I guess, since I was since I have been there.
0: Mm-hmm. That up. Right. But, yeah. Uh, Jack Miller went there for a little bit too, and then yeah. he ended up going to Freeman.
1: And then I graduated from there in '79, and ultimately went on to to college.
0: Um, Wasn't the college in Missouri like also kind of?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean Westminster College. Actually, uh, Mom and Dad and I toured toured that place. I, we were we were looking for, they were looking for a place for me where I could have support if I needed it, and and succeed. You know, succeed in in school. So I went to Westminster College for the first two years of my college um, career. And I was – I guess I was uh, in a position to use the program that they had there, and I had conferences with the the guy running the program but never really had a need for it Mm -hmm. because, I guess, my previous – training from new community school in Kildonan and, you know, uh, Grace Aarons had put me in a position that I, I could be mainstreamed at that point, you know, at, at the point of leaving high school, I could be mainstreamed in, into a college environment, which, you know, back then main, mainstream being a buzzword. I mean, that was a big buzzword back when I was growing up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that was, that was the goal. You know, to be to be able to be mainstream with everybody else and in, in in the general population, and not be not be somebody with you know special special needs that had to be spoon fed everything and um, you know taken by the hand and shown how to do this and 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 how to do that. Mm-hmm. So. I stayed stayed at Westminster College for two years and then transferred to Oregon State University and graduated from there in 1983 with a degree in anthropology and liberal studies. So it was a dual, mm-hmm. dual major. And you, you tried to get your English major too. Yeah, but my, my issue was Spanish. Mm-hmm. My, I had a problem with Spanish, and I I took first. I think it was the. I think I had to have two years of Spanish to get a BA in English, and that was that was the only thing I was deficient in. As far as getting the BA in English were, was my Spanish, so I had had to actually change majors um to liberal studies which was able to incorporate all the pre yeah all the classes that i had taken or prerequisites or whatever that i had taken at that point so i ended up getting two bs degrees bs in liberal studies and bs in anthropology
0: yeah english is already hard enough spanish was terrible in high school
1: Right, and I never had to take Spanish in high school nor grade school, so being put into it in college was really was really difficult. And I and I remember going to my teacher and, and trying to get as much out of her as I could, but I mean, you know, they could they can only do so much for you. Mm-hmm. And, That's interesting
2: because at VCU, when they required a language, it was either a language or. Um, yeah had options in right. particular language and that's when I did
1: literature right well i would have been fine there you know right. but th- that was back in 80 you know 82 or 83 when i had the you know those requirements on me for graduation so things had probably changed by the time you went to school right so that was that was the, the deal with that i mean they were they had certain requirements and i couldn't meet them for whatever reason and uh, so i had to change my major to uh, to actually get anything out of it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then I graduated from Oregon State, and uh, I guess it was '83, and I've uh, been working with my hands ever since.
2: Yeah, and then he went to tech school.
1: Yeah, and then I went. Yeah, then I went to tech school. I went to diesel school, diesel automotive training. But um, I mean, you know, as far as I was I was concerned mom and dad bent over backwards to try to facilitate my my learning career mm-hmm. and they went above, above and beyond uh you know simply in sending me to boarding school at the time because that was a sacrifice for them i mean they they had to spend a lot of money for one year of boarding school i think back in uh back in 73 that was a that was a ten thousand dollar investment which was a whole lot of money back then i mean it's a whole lot of money now but was a whole lot of money back then mm-hmm. and, and then you know mom uh, was so interested in in my issues and and people like me with issues that i you know similar issues and issues that i had that she um uh, tried to get her master's degree and was interested in enough to get involved in starting a school that uh was helpful to people with dyslexia, and, and and is still helpful, even after she and both dad have passed away.
0: Yeah, it's still it's still going strong.
1: Yeah, so, so their their legacies living on.
0: hmm And were there two other
1: families that helped? Yeah, the the, the Sifts and and the Horgans uh, of of whom. Jeff Horgan went to New Community School, uh, who was, is my, one of my peers, and then Brian Siff, who, again, is one of my peers. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't go there, but he, he went to Kildonan, the boarding school I went to. Is that how you met Brian? No, Grace Arons.
0: Uh
1: I met Brian and Grace Ahrens.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant, like, at the boarding school.
1: No, not at the boarding school. Uh, Grace Aarons was the public school. Oh, that's right, Hill, that's
0: right. Yeah, yeah.
1: Where I was there for fourth, fifth, and I can't remember sixth grade. I think I was there for two or three years. I can't remember which. Mm-hmm. But that's where I met Brian.
0: So would you say that it, just the learning situation was a lot different in new community school than all the other schools that you'd attended. Like, you attended,
1: know, attended? The learning the learning style or situation was about the same at New Community School as it was at Grace Aarons because they had, and I can't remember the name of the method, Orton-Gillingham or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was basically the same. I mean, it was the same the same you know mechanics of teaching it was repetitive, it was tactile you know you touched this and you touched that you know you traced your letters you you did uh, you, you did a whole lot of stuff that you know people without dyslexia don't have to do i mean mm-hmm. you, you basically had to um, you, you more had to live learning than it, lear- learning was more of a uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, It it was learning. Learning for me was always more active than it was passive. A lot of people can just read a book or something like that and remember everything. I can't do that. I mean, I've got to actually live with the material. That was the only way I got through college because I had to live with that material. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't focus on other stuff. I had to, you know, I had to pay attention and, and go from point A to point B as far as the book learning goes. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't get sidetracked or anything like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I mean, the the style, the teaching style, was about the same between Grace Aarons and New Community School, as well as the the one year I went to the boarding school. That was about the same. I mean, they all use kind of the same horton gillingham method. Uh, so, the, the, those three schools were were awfully similar. Mm-hmm if not the same. And then when I got to college, like I said, I, I didn't need the support. So I really didn't, uh, didn't have to deal with the, and they called it, they called it at Westminster college. They called it the program, but I didn't really have to deal with the program there.
0: The program, that's such an odd name to give that. But... Well, it was all
1: kind of odd. I mean, it, you know, it was all kind of in its inception and you know, mm. it, it was all new. And I mean, you know, wasn't too many years prior to all this, they would just consider you a retard and kick you to the side, and you know, you just have to fend for yourself yeah. and, and you know, and do what you do. I mean, they, they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have taken that extra time to facilitate, you know, your style of learning and that kind of thing. Now, now it seems like that's just the the norm. You know, they they try to facilitate everybody doing everything
0: mm-hmm. so. um i was wondering like how how different like you were treated by your peers and even the teachers cuz like when you were in school and um i guess it was i guess it um in the very beginning i guess it was kind of harsh and everybody just again thought you yeah. were stupid, I guess.
1: Well, I mean, before I got to Grace Aaron's, that's that's exactly the way it was. I, like I said, you know, earlier, I spent most of my time either in the hall or in the principal's office. And you know, one of the one of the people I, I got to know fairly well was the uh, the principal's secretary at West Hampton School. Uh, I can't I, I can't remember her name. But I, I spent a lot of time there. So, I mean, I, I wasn't getting anything out of class. So I, I would do, you know, I would do things that disrupted class to get out of class because I wouldn't get anything out of it. And uh, I mean, other other kids, I don't know. I, I don't remember that they necessarily thought I was stupid, but um I, you know, you you can always find somebody to make fun of you for something. Mm-hmm. You know, you know I can re- I I can remember being teased for not being able to read, or you know, being fat, or <laughs> wearing white socks, or having a crew cut, or something like that. I mean, there's always there's always something to tease somebody about. Mm-hmm. So wearing white socks, really? Oh yeah. Well, your mother teases me about that now. You know? <laughs> when I'm walking on the road with my overalls on and I've got my overalls rolled up and my white socks are showing, <laughs> she carries on about that now. <laughs> waiting for the flood. But, I mean, a lot of the teachers, I guess, were, yeah, waiting for the flood. A lot of the teachers were were empathetic, I think, or compassionate. But, you know, there, of course, there's some that weren't. Some, some thought I was just lazy and some thought I was, you know, retarded or stupid
2: mm-hmm
1: so I mean you just you just deal with them <laughs> deal with them with what you got to deal with them I guess yeah and at the time I mean back when you're that young you don't really know what's what's going on you're you're you know you're dependent on them to kind of take the lead and show you the way to go and mm-hmm. when you can't you know when you can't go the way they want you to go, a lot of them get frustrated. Yeah. I mean, not, not you know, to say nothing of how frustrated you feel, because you can't do what they're, they're asking you to do. Mm-hmm. It's not that you won't do it, it's just that, you, I, mean, I I never knew how to do it. You know, I never, never could figure it out. I mean, I've, I've got issues now when I go to read something I've really got to focus. I mean, I, I've got to focus because I can remember when I was younger, I'd just look at a page page full of words, and unless you know that you've got to start in the, in the upper left-hand corner and read left to right and stop at the punctuation and this and that, I mean, it's just, it's totally confusing. Mm-hmm. You know, it just looks like a bunch of letters on a page that don't make any sense. Kind of like, when, kind of like when you look under the hood of a car. If you don't really know what's going on under there, it's just a bunch of bunch of parts.
0: Yeah, even now, like when I'm reading stuff for college, I kind of feel the same way. Like if if I'm not like 100% focused on it, then I it's just worthless for me to try to read.
1: Yeah, it's just not. I mean, for me, it's just not natural. It's not a natural function. It, reading stuff. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's labor intensive. It's, it's frustrating. It's stressful. It's all that stuff. Um, I don't, I don't read for pleasure. (laughs) There's nothing pleasurable about reading.
0: Did y'all, did you ever do like popcorn reading or whatever when you had to read out loud in class? That was the worst thing ever.
1: What was it? What did you call it?
0: popcorn reading
1: I've never heard that term but I never like reading out loud I mean if I if I knew I had to read out loud I'd always hope I wasn't the first person so I could go at least to read you know I could go and read silently by myself what I was supposed to read aloud in class at least that way I could I could get the flow of it and hopefully not stumble on words. But, no, I hated reading out loud. I don't like doing speeches. Um, I don't like public speaking. I remember I had to do that in college, and I really hated that.
0: Yeah, it's – yeah. Especially when when you're reading, like, to yourself, like, waiting for your turn, and you see a word that you just can't really figure out, that's probably the worst thing.
1: Yeah. New yeah. Right. I agree. That would. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, there are these people that can just read out loud, just like they were born to read out loud. You know, it's, it's effortless. It's, it's smooth. It's everything that you, you want it to be for you, but it's just not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Must be nice. <laughs>
0: It <laughs> really does. It really must be.
1: Yeah, I can't relate.
0: <laughs> Neither can I. Um, is there uh, anything else you'd like to say? Because I don't. I think we. I don't had...
1: know. Is that enough information.
0: Oh, that's plenty.
1: I mean, I. I don't. I don't know what else. I mean, I, have you know, without being extremely specific and, you know, recounting particular situations and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know, I, I think that's about it. Yeah. You definitely hit every point. Well, I tried to hit the high spots anyway. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Otherwise we would be sitting here for a long time.
1: Right. But I mean, you know, the, the one of the big, you know, the biggest proponents in my life are my parents. You know, mm-hmm. if I, i always wonder what what would have happened to me if if i hadn't been adopted and hadn't ended up with the parents that i had you know whether you know i just you know you just wonder stuff like that yeah i mean would i would i have ended up in jail because you know i mean i was i, I was always getting in trouble because i i couldn't do what was expected of me and they knew you know they they knew there was some way that they could facilitate my learning style and that kind of thing and they they took they took the initiative to do that and they took the time to do it they just you know you just see so many parents around now that don't have any interest in their kids and you know the kids are going to school without any food or you know and i mean i just wonder what would have happened to me if I hadn't had parents that were interested and engaged.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And I'm just lucky, lucky that I did. So if, if I can, if I can attribute any of my relative success to anything, it would be mom and dad.
0: Yeah. I'd have to say the same thing about
1: y'all too. Well, That's uh, but I mean, that's what you do, you know. I mean, if you want to be responsible, and uh, you know, try to give your kids a a head start. That's what you do.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate that you coming in here, Dad, and telling us all about your story and how that you were able to cope with dyslexia it's a very uh powerful story i'd have to say well everybody thanks so much for listening have a good night or a good day or whatever the hell you're doing bye